you can change the world. Learn from proven change makers from all walks of life. They'll show you how to raise money, invest for impact, and so much more. You can start small, start today, and never quit. You can change the world by strengthening your superpowers. Now, welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Thanks for being here, everyone. I am so excited. Today we've got with us Vicki Bond. She is the president of the Humane League, and uh, she's doing just such incredible work. You do not want to miss this episode. If you eat, <laughs> this is this is uh, a, an episode for you. So stick around. Uh, Vicki, thank you so much for joining us. We I really thank you. It's it's a pleasure to connect with you. Yes, thanks so much for having me here. Well, we're excited to learn more about what you're doing at the Humane League. Do you want to just take a minute and sort of walk us through the great work that you're doing? Yeah, thanks. Yes, so the Humane League works to end the abuse of animals raised for food. And primarily we do that by making change with food companies, getting them to improve farm animal welfare and their supply chains. And we also work on policies and legislative change and individual diet change too. And as you can see here, these are caged hens. They're laying eggs for the food system. Uh, and these are called battery cages and they are pervasive around the world. And we're working to end cages for laying hens worldwide through our work with the Open Wing Alliance, which brings together organizations from around the world. And here in the US doing that work on the ground with our grassroots work like this protest that you can see here, really holding companies accountable to improving welfare in their supply chains, like ending cages for laying hens. And we do these peaceful protests, raising awareness uh, to the public about the issues that they do care about, we know they care about, um, and often companies hide it. And so we wanna make sure companies are held accountable for what they do and the practices they continue to uphold and so that we can see an end to cages in our lifetime for laying hens. It, it is just profoundly important work that you're doing. As you, uh, you know, t think about these hens in cages, tell us about the experience. It, you know, in, in the video clip, you know, it looked like uh, one hen was feeding and another hen was standing atop the feeding hen. Is that typical? Is that what's going on all the time in these uh, laying hen cages? Yeah, absolutely. I've been on these on these farms and you walk into a very large shed and all you can hear is the clanging noises of the birds' beaks and feet on the metal because that's their entire life. They spend their life in this metal cage, four or five of them, not even enough space to spread their wings uh, and they will be fed, given water and that's all they get. They never get to see sunlight, they never get to spread their wings. They often end up pecking at each other through sheer boredom. They end up with broken bones, uh, all in the name of cheap eggs. Wow, wow. It, it's just uh, tragic to think about uh, the, the, the pain that that would, uh, would cause. I think a lot of us, when we hear about this, we think that's tragic, but there's no other way. There, there is, we have to feed 8 billion people on the planet. It's a shame we have to treat animals that way, but if we don't, we can't eat. How do you respond to that 
presumption that I think so many of us make? I think in today's world, we most people will agree that we probably need to change our food system for many different reasons. And to have a sustainable food system is not to have farm animal cruelty within that system. So it is perfectly plausible for us to have farming systems that are higher welfare and that move away from these intensive practices that see animals stacked on top of each other, beak to beak, snout to snout in case of pigs. Uh, these systems exist, these higher welfare systems, and, and we're pushing for incremental change. We want a day when animals aren't abused for food. And um, we want to see that through incremental change, like ending cages, like ending farrowing crates, which is where um, ma mama pigs are put while they're pregnant um, and they can't even turn around. Uh, we want to work on improving the welfare of chickens raised for meat. And when we talk about the numbers, we're talking about in chicken alone in the US, 9 billion chickens being raised for meat every year. And when we talk about the world, we're talking about over 70 billion land animals raised and slaughtered every year for food. And it's not sustainable. The cruelty is not sustainable. And the food service itself, we need to move to more plant-based options to remove some of that eggs, dairy, meats from our diets um, so that we can have a sustainable food system. It, 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 you know, speaking as one who has adopted a, a vegan diet, it, it does seem like uh, there are some exciting options available to us now, uh, including a variety of plant-based meat substitutes. Uh, but, but going back to your work, the incremental change seems like it has tremendous potential to change the lives of animals raised for human consumption. Tell us a little bit about some of the differences at the margins where you're seeing the most impact in the work you're doing. Well, we can take our cage-free work. We started this work um, over a decade ago now. And at the time in the US, 5% of, of uh, birds were cage-free here for laying hens. We're now at 40%. So we're seeing, and that is an impact of 130 plus million birds every year. The numbers are honestly incomprehensible often. We're talking about the same population of people as there are laying hens in the US. Um, and when we talk about broiler chickens, we're talking about billions of chickens being reared um, in, in countries. And that incremental change is happening. We're seeing companies adopt these high welfare policies through the work that we're doing, through the pressure we're putting on companies, through the awareness with people voicing their concerns about these systems and people using their purchasing power. So either boycotting organize, uh, companies that aren't adhering to these policies or moving away from the systems they were purchasing, like caged eggs to cage-free eggs. There's a lot of people power that comes into this and people building, and, and you would have seen from the protests that we do, um, we stand outside these companies to raise awareness to the public about the practices that they're doing, and we get a lot of support. We get a lot of support from the public. Um, people don't want their food to come from such cruel systems like cages. You know, as as you think about the uh, this work that you're doing, um, I I reflect on something you told me in advance that uh, you and your team shared with me about how you started your career. You you're a veterinarian. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you went from that path to the animal welfare path. It seems like a pretty big shift, even if it's driven by a similar passion. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, for as long as I remember, I always wanted to help animals. That was my driver. Um, and what do you do when you want to help animals? You become a veterinarian. And I did become a veterinarian. But in that time, while I was training to be a vet, I witnessed factory farms for the first time. And I got to see how these animals suffer day in, day out in these systems. And as a veterinarian, you would go on farm and treat the individual animal. You may give bulk antibiotics for the animals, but you weren't treating the fundamental issue, which was these systems are wrong. Animals should not be in them and being in them causes them a lot of suffering. And so I also, while doing my veterinary degree, went and did a master's in environment development and policy and learned about the impact of policy work of that institutional change that you can make and how much you can scale up impact. And so when I left that school, I did work as a vet for a while, but I also got involved in more activist led uh, things um, and in policy change and ends up being able to work what I do now, which is to create change for farm animals on a large scale with these with impacting hundreds of millions of animals versus what I could have done as a veterinarian, which would have probably been much smaller on the individual layer, level of animals. You know, as we think about this, part of what drives change, and you alluded to this earlier, is that companies have to feel like something will change in their world that they care about. Typically, that's revenue, profits, customers showing up. What are some of the individual actions you recommend that people make kind of at the, at the margins? What, what, are, what can ordinary folks do to be more aware, to help you drive change? What are, what are the actions? Well, you can go to our website and go to get involved. And there you will find, uh, you can get involved in terms of our volunteering. So we have change makers, people that are making change in their cities around the country of the US, in fact, around the world. We have other organizations we can link you up to. Uh, and then uh, we also have our Fast Action Network, which is our digital action platform. And this is really ensuring that people's voices can be heard by companies. Social media is huge. That's where they interact often with their customers the most. Um, and so we use those platforms to shine a light on the work that we're doing, um, get our voices heard. And so you can get involved in the Fast Action Network, get a few uh, things to do online and it literally takes two minutes of your day and that has such an impact when lots of people are doing it and so when we have our campaigns and we launch them across the country or even around the world because we do global campaigns with the open wing alliance with our members across the world you will see all these people voicing their concerns on the different companies websites and twitter and all the other well, not twitter anymore, x um uh and others like facebook and, and instagram uh, and so you can raise your voice and be heard. And that's a really powerful way too. And of course, our work can't happen without donating. So that's another way to get involved too, if you'd rather not get involved in the more front-facing activism. Well, it, it is really profoundly important work that you're doing, and, and we're so grateful that you're doing it. Um, as you think about um, people in the world, um, and in terms of diet and animal suffering, how do you coach people? Uh, clearly some are, are willing to adopt a vegan diet. Um, others are not. What, what, do you, what would you coach them to do to be more humane in a diet? Is there, is there some general coaching you can provide? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think change is hard for people. And I think recognizing that is very important. So I always say it's about doing things slowly if you need to. Some people can change overnight and they're done. I admire those people. I'm not one of those people either. Most of us require incremental change, much like we push companies with incremental change. And so going to meat free Mondays or, um, you know, switching out your lunch to only be plant based. Doing those things can help you on a journey to where you want to be. Um, and so that's where I make recommendations. There's great organizations like Veganuary that you can sign up to and they really give you lots of information to help you with this. We have our veg guide as well that you can find online. It's really great. Um, and if you get involved in communities, you can often find um, groups that you can get involved in too and that can be really helpful. But I think not putting too much pressure on yourself <laughs> It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay, like sometimes to slip or to not achieve what you wanted to that week, um, but to not just write it off and be like, oh, I can't do this, but like just do it slowly. Um, and there are so many great alternatives now, plant based alternatives, and there's so much availability online, it's our veg guide and other things, where you can get recipes and ideas and understand how to switch out certain products. Um, and that can make a real difference. You know, so many different product, uh, milk products now you can switch out. Um, and that is the way to make like individual change. And also, if you are going to purchase these products, to consider what does the label say? And I know that can be very confusing for people. And that's why the work we do is so important, because we're trying to raise the bar across the board so you can walk into a restaurant and you don't have to understand things or walk into a supermarket and not think oh i have to look at all these labels like the bare minimum level of welfare is cage free for instance or higher welfare chickens read for, read for meat or we bring in legislation and that's really our end goal is to have that legislation so that these systems can't exist at all and and, and again consumers don't have to think so hard when they go into stores but in the meantime really looking on those labels and examining like, does it say cage free? Does it say higher welfare? Is it uh, GAP certified, for instance, uh, which has different gradings of one to five, five being the best. Um, so looking on, on the products that you're buying and considering what, what systems these animals are reared in, often there isn't great labeling, depending what country you're in, in the US, not great labeling, in Europe there's more legislation around labeling which makes it a little easier but you can certainly find different certifications that has higher welfare too well everybody we are here with uh vicky bond of the humane league and we're we're talking about uh ending animal suffering and uh she's got some brilliant work that she's doing to end suffering even while we still continue to consume animals, uh, it, it's it's great work that she's doing. I'm so grateful. But we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Vicki about her superpower. You don't want to miss this. So stick around. Join us at Supercrowd Baltimore to connect with community-focused business leaders and investors working to support diverse founders, social entrepreneurs, and community builders. Learn how to raise money from the crowd and how to invest like a pro. March 21st at the B&O Rail Museum. Register today at thesupercrowd.com. At the February Super Crowd Hour, you can meet the Crowdfunding Professional Association. Learn how to join and make a difference. Devin will be joined by Brian Christie, Jenny Casson, Brian Beeley, and Scott McIntyre. Register today at thesupercrowd.com. 
Join us for Super Crowd 24 for two full days of wealth and impact creating content at this virtual conference on April 17th and 18th. We'll have 100 speakers and live pitch sessions. Learn how to invest like a pro and raise money from the crowd. Save 50% with the discount code SUPERCROWD at thesupercrowd.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're thrilled to have with us today Vicki Bond. She is the president of uh, the Humane League. And uh, we've been talking about her work to end animal suffering. And we're, we're now going to jump and talk to Vicki about her superpower. Now, Vicki, you, you have done some genuinely extraordinary things. When you think about the, the number of animals whose suffering has been reduced by your leadership, that's it's it's astounding. Millions upon millions, maybe billions now of animals whose suffering has been uh, reduced because of your work. Uh, kudos to you. As you think about all you've accomplished, what do you see as your superpower? Thank you, Devin. Um, I think when I reflected on this question, I I believe my relentlessness or tenacity, determination, whatever you want to say that is, has been a real driver in my life always. I didn't get into vet school the first time round. She went and did another course that I really didn't want to be doing, um, but I didn't. I wasn't sure if I could get into into vet school and tried again. Got into you, got in, um, and along the way there has been things that have kind of potentially could have made me consider doing other things, um, things that have been, for instance, I um, I was volunteering at an organization and, and I was doing some work for the, the founders and they really didn't like the work I was doing and it was, it was felt very hard <laughs> at the time and I kind of thought maybe I'm not cut out for NGO work, maybe, um, yeah, maybe this isn't the route I should be taking and it was what I felt I really wanted to do. I wanted to make change in the world. I'd always wanted to do that. And so I kept the course and and found the right role for me um, and built up that experience. And I think in the work that I've done, I used to work uh, with the companies themselves. And I do those meetings with the companies and you're going up again, where you're meeting the CEOs of these massive organizations and saying to them, no, like it's not good enough. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not moving on this. Like this is what needs to happen for animal welfare, and it certainly helped having a veterinary background to be able to do that. When they'd sort of say, "Well, what do you know about welfare?" Be able to pull that out, <laughs> some little trick out of the bag. Um, but I, I think in doing activism, in doing this work, I've worked on factory farms to go and try and improve uh, standards in those farms in slaughterhouses. It's been really hard. And um, I think it could be easy to like just turn away. And I've I've tried to put what I've seen and, all, and hold all that suffering that I have seen over the years inside and use that for good to keep going even when things are hard. And, and this work is really hard. Uh, we do have to go up against these multi-million dollar companies and stay the test of time. And we do have to hold them accountable. They made commitments over the years, but are they actually following through? And it could be very easy for us to just like go on to the next new thing. 
but I think one of the things about my determination is that like I like to see things through <laughs> um, and that's very important to me and in this work it's really important there are going to be knocks along the way there have been knocks along the way where we haven't won the campaign that we wanted to win or the work hasn't gone as we wanted um, but yeah stay stay determined and yeah I'm, I'm grateful that I have a relentless spirit well, as you think about this uh, work that you've done, um, I wonder if you can point to a time when you saw your tenacity pay off in a specific case. I'm thinking about maybe a specific corporation that made a policy shift because of your work after you deployed your tenacity. Can you think of an example? Yeah, I have one great example. This is a number of years ago now, but uh, I was working on rabbit farming. So rabbit farming, we don't hear of it that much, but it's the second most farmed species in Europe. And I was working across Europe and I was at a conference and I was trying to push to end cages for rabbits as well, because they're predominantly in battery cages in Europe as well. Um, we were at the conference and the, I didn't know at the time, but he was the largest owner of all the systems basically in Austria and Germany and other places. And after the conference, he came up to me and said, well, it's nice to meet you, but like, what would you know about rabbit farming? And this is unrealistic and I can show you why it's good to keep them in cages. And in that moment, I just didn't stand for it really. Uh, was very much like, well, the science is this. Uh, I disagree strongly on this. I've got systems, I've seen systems that work that are not in cages. It is doable. This is very much a profit driven mentality and he was like pretty upset and left uh and then the next day came up to me and was like i was thinking about what you said i do think we should potentially this does sound like this might be the future for rabbit farming i want to understand more here's my card can we have a conversation and yeah so in the in those moments i've come up against industry leaders it's not shrinking down but actually Standing tool, I think, has, has paid off. Wow, that's a really powerful example. Um, as, as our time wraps up here, would you take just one minute and give us a tip or two for how we can strengthen our own tenacity, how we can channel our inner Vinny, Vicky Bond? Uh, I like to think that mistakes are good. We're going to make mistakes, but what we learn from them is the important bit. So that's, if you have a clear goal, don't give up. You will get there. The path might be wandering. <laughs> it might not appear exactly how you hoped it would be, but you will get there if you stay the course of time. Uh, so yeah, I think stay strong, stay relentless. You can make it. Excellent. Excellent. Um, as we wrap up now, would you take just one minute and tell people how they can learn more, how they can help, how they can connect with you, uh, personally, uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's on social media, whatever is the best way to, to get in touch with you, let them know. And then, uh, and, and, you know, again, how they can help, uh, and how they can learn more. Yeah. Thank you. So you can go to the humane which is our website. You can go to get involved there, which has dropped down to the volunteering and, and our fast action network, which, as I said, is a great way to get involved in activism in a little way. Um, you can donate to the organization. Uh, you can find me on X on Twitter, as it was known before. Uh, and I have a handle there where I post things. You also find our Instagram handle for the Humane League where we post things regularly. And of course our Facebook 
uh, site too. Um, so yeah, and we, you know, TikTok, all the social media things. If you go to the Humane League, you will find us there. Um, so I would love people to get in touch um, and hear more about what they're doing to help animals. Well, uh, Vicki, we have been so grateful to have you on the show today, and we so value what you're doing and recognize mm -hmm. the the respect you demonstrate to people who are uh, meat eaters and encouraging them uh, to to find a, a way to make those incremental changes that will have a big impact on the lives of the critters we raise to consume. And uh, and of course, the work that you're doing on for corporations, we're, we're just so so thrilled to see the differences at scale that yield differences for hundreds of millions of, of animals. So that's that's wonderful work. And we're, we're thrilled to hear about it. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And we want to wish you every success in the work that you continue to do. Thank you so much, Devin. It's been a pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. <laughs>